When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hip, hip, hooray! Our long Nebraska nightmare is over. Welcome back home, Coach Frost. And also with Mac. I'm loving me some frost. It's an amazing day in Husker land. He's already got good news out there. Byerson Williams got an offer. I mean, he's already been working state. The man's wasting no time. These are these are blessed times right now, Husker fans. Boots on Boots the on ground, the my friend. Boots on the ground. Also with Boomer. And I also, you know, would just like to recognize the other big issues going on with uh, football this week. I know there's been questions about the postseason and who gets in, and really, I think everyone just did the best they could, and there's no way we could do anything better. So I look forward to talking about the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs that'll be occurring this week. <laughs> uh, Boomer, you sound a little bit jaded overall. I don't know. I don't just know. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, let's, we're going to focus on Nebraska football for a while, and I, I think there's a, all, all of us have a little bit of more excitement in our voices, a little pep in the step, uh, as this has been a big weekend for Husker football. Uh, we're in red all weekend because um, after, you know, while watching the UCF game on uh, Saturday, uh, the breaking news came across as the game extended into overtime that the, uh, the rumors were true. Uh, Brett McMurphy, uh, you know, breaks it that uh, Scott Frost will be Nebraska's new head coach. Everyone else follows in with that news, and it is official um, later that day. And then we uh, have a, a great uh, press conference uh, on Sunday with Scott Frost here in Lincoln. Uh, a lot of great quotes, uh, a lot of stuff from Moose, uh, great stuff from everyone around. So. Uh, you know, hockey. Uh, maybe you know you you followed this really closely. All of us have followed this really closely. That's 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 a dumb statement by me, to be honest. But let, let give us uh, your take on on how this coaching search has worked through the process uh, from Bill Moose and his professionalism, uh, from having Scott Frost uh, you know targeted early using his his back channel communications with Matt Davidson and, and Tom Osborne et cetera to, to make this probably one of the smoothest and most professional uh, coaching hires we've seen in, in a long time yeah I mean this this entire scenario from really the moment that that northern Illinois game got done and we we fired Icorse to hiring in the interim uh, Dave Remington, to having a, a search firm come in and help us get the, the right athletic director we needed to the athletic director coming in and assessing the situation, uh, handling with absolute the utmost class and professionalism how we dealt with uh, Coach Riley at the end there. 
and to be able to work the back channels to allow Scott Frost to still continue to coach the team that he was coaching at UCF and not get in the way, um, and then to still be able to pull that him in, it's just such a refreshing feeling as a Nebraska fan. It's this holistic feeling of going back to 2003 and the 40-plus day nightmare that we had with, with Peterson and something that Tennessee is kind of going through right now, to see it be the other way, to be the envy of, of, the co- of college football right now, that we are doing this the right way and we ended up with the right guy when national types all over the place were saying that wasn't going to happen. Um, I love it. I, I'm just I'm ecstatic right now. I, I, it doesn't even make sense. It's not even my memory that we lost to, to Iowa or that we went 4-8. and eight. That, was, that feels like years <laughs> ago. That's I am so point. looking forward straight ahead right now. This is just great. I love everything. The leadership from Bounds to Greens uh, to Moose down to now Coach Frost and whatever staff he all brings in. This is great. Go Big Red. You know, uh, Boomer, you know, hockey touched on that right there at the end, the, the leadership. I think that's something that Scott Frost mentioned today that maybe three years ago it wasn't the right time. And I think that was a bit of a, a shot at Eichhorst and maybe even Harvey Perlman. Um, the leadership wasn't in place three years to, to for him to take that job. And that leadership now with Hank Bounds, Ronnie Green, and Bill Moose is the right right formula for success. Uh, and that Coach Osborne even told him that he feels feels like it's the right um, administration for him. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that seems to be accurate. I, I mean, it's easy to say that now looking back on Eichhorst, but I think everything we know or at least think we know about, you know, our erstwhile ex-athletic director, he did seem to kind of have a big hand in everything. He, You know, there have been rumors he really kind of dictated what Riley was going to do in some circumstances and it just wasn't a healthy healthy environment for anyone to come coach and you know we've seen just this last week how critical uh, that athletic director coach relationship is just to having a healthy healthy environment I look at Tennessee Honky brought it up just the debacle they're having where their athletic director can't even seem to get get a coach they want and then they're getting backstabbed by everyone else in the administration and the athletic director is now gone and I think I've turned down a Tennessee coaching offer this week so I've turned it down twice yeah you see where they're at and it's just an unhealthy situation we've gone through plenty of unhealthy athletic director coach relationships here we've had our fill of them so it just feels nice to have a more steady hand in this case yeah I I think it's clear uh, that from a from a coaching perspective, having the right administration in place that understands what it what it takes to win at a high level is really important. And you know, fact is, we might not have had that for better part of two decades now. So, you know, Mac, uh, you know, the it's easy to get nostalgic about the '90s with Scott Frost coming back and in the, the the video that we saw of him walking into that room with uh, 100 plus, maybe 200 lettermen uh, greeting him here is, I mean, we're, we're about the same age as Scott Frost. That, that, that was emotional for me to see some of those guys get that excited about him being there. And uh, he's one of us. Uh, but it's going to take a lot more than that. You, it's, you don't win championships on nostalgia. So how do you feel that, you know, Scott will be able to meld the, uh, the warm feelings that we have today about that with actually installing a, a, a modern program that he's been successful at UCF and translating that to, to Nebraska? Well, I think the number one thing with Frost is that he completely understands the culture here. So, and he, and he believes in it as well. 
So the the part of him that people will like about his offense, about his teams, will be the part that they liked about Osborne's teams. It'll be the effort. It'll be the physical play. It'll be the outworking the other teams. I mean, things he said today, I mean, he was just ticking off all the boxes. And it's not coach speak. Yeah. This, is, this is like philosophy that he's proven. I mean, this is what he's doing as a coach. Now, it's a different style of offense. But you're, the fundamental principles are kind of there, you know, outworking, being the toughest, and they're just going to go fast and beat you down that way. So I, it's such a perfect blend of what you kind of want to hear and hope to hear. But you know it's not fake because he's not only a player, former player here. He's a, he's a Husker. He's a, he's a Nebraska boy. He, he Like he said, he grew up on the campus. This isn't, this isn't fake sincerity. There's no, need, there's no need for acclimation to our culture. This guy gets it day one. Day one, and then on top of that, he's seemingly the best system coming in. He's already established that. You know, Riley comes in, has to do this hybrid crap, never worked. Bo comes in, no idea what to do on offense. He's a defensive coordinator. You know, so we're working <laughs> That's the that. Truth, and Callahan though. comes in and tries to turn us from an option team to a West Coast team overnight. Not going to work. But I mean, and it wasn't proven in college anyway. Frost has a proven system, and he's a Husker. I just I, – I, yeah. the sky's the, the limit, the, man. The program at UCF in many ways and how he ran that program, the culture that he instilled there, I think he would tell you is the Nebraska culture in many ways. He sees that, right? I mean, it's, it's a modern take on that. It's his take on it. There's other influences going on here from Chip Kelly and, and many of his other coaches that he's uh, worked under. But at, at the core of it, it is uh, an Osborne philosophy – and so let's talk a little bit about what this all means. So let's start with the, the players on the roster right now. I mean, guys, what do you think? How does this translate to some of our offensive? Uh, let's, let's start the offensive side of the ball. Defense is a little bit more of an X factor here. But offense, we, we, we know what the Frost offense looks like now, watching UCF the last couple of uh, weeks. Um, you know, how does that translate to, to our quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers? Honky, Mac, Boomer, fire away. I'll uh, I'll make a blanket statement first, and it affects offense and defense. It affects everyone on the team. Um, I've heard some people make you know reference to well, I hope this guy moves on or this player leaves early. I hope no one leaves. I hope every single player on that team is back for spring. I want Amen them to, to be that. here and 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 go through a full spring practice with this new staff, and and I fully expect at the end of that semester there'll probably be ten to fifteen guys maybe that will move on that if the culture doesn't fit them right, if they don't feel like they're the right fit, if they're not ready to work like that. But I want every every player on this team to get that opportunity, and I think they're foolish if they make an early move just to make a move. You, specifically to the offensive side, Dave, I don't know any player that can look at what's coming to them now, this opportunity. We posted a tweet last, uh, last week um, just showing like seven or eight pass plays. And just on the tweet just said, hey, you know, to any wide receiver out there, a current or perspective, if, you know, if you're worried about what this, this attack is going to do to your numbers, uh, here's, a, here's enough plays. And I showed like eight or nine pass plays that they did in one half of one game. There's plenty of opportunities. You'll get your catches. But, but uh, the opportunity is there. And so I hope nobody just jumps the gun early. And I don't think they will now that things are starting to get settled in. Um, QB-wise, let's start with the QB position. Um, what I want to see is competition. And I think we any one of the three guys, Jebbia, P.O.B., and Tanner Lee coming back, any th- I hope they all come back. I really do. And I hope they all compete in spring. I also hope that we go after a Juco or two. 
we have the kid in uh, uh, Iowa Western. I think it's Loxley, Kai Loxley. I think his name is. You also Kai, have Kai Loxley, you also have yeah. Terry Wilson, the former Husker recruit, became Oregon recruit. <laughs> uh, Frost leaves Oregon. Terry Wilson leaves Oregon. Opportunity for someone like him. I'd love to see Noah Vedral come back. He'd have to sit out next season, but he'd be a great extra QB taking reps and being in that that QB room. And uh, as we've learned by, uh, if you've watched uh, some of the UCF uh, Rise and Conquer series videos that they've had on YouTube, there's a lot of videos out there. Go out and watch it. It's Rise and Conquer. You'll learn a lot about how he does practice. And and I don't care if there's four, five, six QBs uh, on the team during uh, spring ball. They'll find ways to get every one of those guys a lot of reps. So it all starts at that QB spot. Yeah, Honky, maybe expand on that a, a little bit, or maybe Mac, you, you've probably seen those videos too. Um, and Coach Osborne actually spoke to the UCF team beginning of this uh, this year, actually. You know, the Osborne's four-station approach where everybody's getting the same amount of reps. I don't know if Frost is going to be able to replicate that per se, but, I mean, do you expect a similar type of practice regimen where there is a – I mean, he says he's going to go fast – all the time so it sounds like they're gonna get lots of reps uh is that fair to say and like i mean whether you're the first string quarterback or, or the sixth string you're gonna get some action in there on the practice field. yeah i think uh, i think he means exactly what they said he they are gonna go fast and i think they're gonna go fast from day one that's just that is just part of his philosophy that's yeah that that's is part of the culture and, and that's right? gonna be the, that's gonna be a day one thing and 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 that will be but that's kind of one of those things, too, that you can immediately see effort, too. Because if you're not going fast, you'll stand out very quickly. You know, so those players yep. get weeded out quickly. You know, just that, that whole philosophy. But at the same time, I loved how he stressed, it's going to be fun. You're going to have a lot of fun doing this. Mm-hmm. And if you watched yep. UCF play, those guys had a blast. I mean, they were, they were just punching away. You know, those they all had fun. They had fun on defense. They had fun on offense, man. And... And you, maybe you don't like those high-scoring events on football, but I got to tell you, that was way more exciting than any game I can remember us having since maybe Michigan State. And that game was kind of, you know, sort of sucky. We didn't kill anybody, you know. We just like, you know, their their yeah. games are exciting. Yeah, Our games are like drudgery to watch. You know, it's like, can we score twenty? Yeah. Well. Talk talk about explosive yeah. plays, right? I mean, like for, for, for all the national media, I I swear, swear to God, they just have don't have the worst memories of Nebraska football. I mean, they act like we are three yards in a cloud of dust. Whereas Osborne's offenses were explosive, right? I mean, if we did throw the ball, it was play action, and it's somebody who's wide open for an eighty yard bomb, or it's it's a pitch that goes eighty yards along the sideline. We are an exciting, explosive offense with big chunk plays left and right. And I think you see that in the UCF offense, you know. I mean, I think you're going to see that in the Nebraska offense is that uh, when there's shots to be taken, uh, Frost is going to take them. Oh, we're going to be excited yeah. to watch. And I think the style of, I think the style of QB that we ultimately end up settling on next year and the year down the road from that, that can start to, to you know play around with that run-pass ratio that I've talked about in the past a little bit too. If you have a guy that – Maybe is a little bit more on the inclined to be a passer. I think this is an offense that can that can feature that. If you have a, I'll just use like a Terry Wilson kind of guy as an example. You may be running more triple option kind of things out of that spread. We've seen with uh, Mackenzie Milton the you know 
he's kind of a 50-50 guy. He's not the greatest runner in the world, but he's a good enough runner. They run some option with him. They certainly throw the ball with him. I mean, it's, but it's, it's fast paced. It's, it's moving quick. And, uh, and it's just, it's really efficient football to watch. And you know what? I didn't see a lot of drops. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a transition to another position group, the wide receivers, Um, whoever's coming back, catch the ball. And I, I could have told you the same thing last year, but definitely moving forward, you're going to catch the ball. And uh, and it doesn't it doesn't work when you're dropping it, no matter what style of offense. And those guys, those UCF receivers, caught everything thrown at them. Bill Moose talked about liking tight ends. We've got plenty on this on this staff or on this uh, on this team. Uh, so I think I think Frost is walking into Coach Frost is walking into a great situation, a deep uh, a deep position. I've, I've heard people say that you know we don't have a lot of receivers. My gosh, if we get McQuitty back, if if Morgan comes back. Yeah, you, you've got JD Spielman. Keyshawn probably comes back to this point. Yeah, could, very well could. And you got you have Lindsey, and then you start throwing in some of the some of the um, tight ends. I mean, even the walk-ons. I mean, you've got Kurt Warner's kids still here, as far as I know. And if these, you know, if all these yeah. kids are, are coming back, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities, and there is a month here of, of recruiting still too. And I I've seen a couple of JUCO offers go out for different people, um, so. I, they're gonna they're gonna boot you on the ground right now trying to to build up that spring roster. Let's talk about that wide receiver position just a little bit more. I mean, uh, one of the coaching positions that uh, may not be filled yet, uh, nothing's official, is that wide receiver spot. And you know, there's a lot of Twitter stuff out there. Oh, we gotta keep keep coach Dubs, et cetera, et cetera. I have no idea how that plays out, but I, I don't want to necessarily blame. Uh, Keith Williams for our drops or our catches per se, right? It's the players that have to make those. Uh, the scheme, though, if you watch uh, the UCF play, it's easier to catch the ball when you don't have a defender draped all over you, right? <laughs> and UCF, those guys are running open. They're f- <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> I don't know my exodus is as well as you guys. I don't know, but I'm just saying that UCF wide receivers look wide open. And and Milton and, just and they're gets running the ball, full right? speed. When Whereas they catch in our it. offense last year, in the Langsdorf Riley scenario, I mean everything was just like tightly contested. I, explain me how it's so different, but yeah. boy, wow. Well, let's, Mac, I mean that's Mac the difference Riley. between knowing what one, you're doing, and having a clear identity. There, this this team, this team comes in with an identity now. This is they are that offense from day one. That's what they will be until they are the best at doing that. And that's something we haven't had for a long time. And that defense is going to play aggressive. You know, they're probably going to keep that 3-4 concept. Um, seemingly, I mean, it's the same defense coordinator. That's what he was running last year. So um, maybe that will be a good thing. Maybe we give it, you know, another year. It doesn't seem like a good idea to switch back again, but who knows. I mean, the point is, either side of the ball, yeah, we have the athletes to immediately execute this offense. It's a matter of... You know, them learning and, like, the willingness, I guess, to commit. But athletically, there's no reason to not to not expect, a, you know, a high level of execution if, you know, if we were all there, you know, like mentally. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying athlete-wise, we've got them. I know a couple of yeah. things that are part of the culture of the offense that Riley has talked – or that – geez, I'm going to have to move on from this Riley – uh, that Coach Frost has talked about. <laughs> and these are things that, that are unique, and they're unique to Osbornean kind of, you know, uh, philosophy. Osbornean? But uh, Osbornean. Um, That's a new uh, term. I've seen that on Twitter recently. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Coach Frost doesn't like his quarterback sliding. He doesn't like him running out of bounds. 
uh, receivers. Go and watch UCF's receivers. Those dudes block, and they block on, on screen passes that get thrown outside. They block that could on be a options. change and a challenge. They yeah. block. And so I think our guys block. Keith Williams or whoever that wide receiver coach is, you, you're going to be coaching blocking in addition to catching, and that's that's part of this offense too. So I think our receivers block it, better in our line. There are so – Honestly, so last many, year. <laughs> so many philosophies in that. But I do want to, you know, we are little rose-colored glasses for all the obvious reasons today. At the same time, I think the the the, the cynic out there will sit there and say, well, yeah, but they've been doing this in, in the AAC against, you know, horrible defenses. Well, let's watch them against uh, uh, Auburn. I'm really interested to see this Peach Bowl now against this SEC strong defense. And you know what? I think you're going to see some success on offense. I don't think that – I don't see Auburn shutting them out. And uh, – but that's that's a great opportunity for us to see here in the in the meantime, and not even having to wait an entire off season, we can see how this offense looks against one of the big boys. The, the big kryptonite, though, to to an offense like this is a is a dominant defensive line, and that is one thing I've heard Auburn has. So um, you know that's always yeah. that's always yeah. been sort of an Achilles heel. So this it, it will be a challenge. So if they if they do well, then yeah. that is a very good sign. Well, and there's a lot of dominant D lines yeah, in the Big Ten. Indeed, so, you know, indeed. If we're running this offense, we're going to be meeting those those D lines. So it's going to have to be able to to do well against that. And well, I'm confident. Let's talk about that just a little bit. You know, uh, Frost. It, it, it was question about you know how does his offense fit in the Big Ten? He had a great answer, <laughs> right? It was the best answer of the night or the day. Scott, how how will you modify your system for the Big Ten? I'm going to I'm hoping the Big 10 has to modify their system for us. <laughs> you know, Boomer, uh, that type of attitude's been been missing in Nebraska for for a long time. Um, how do you think from a culture change standpoint, you know, these players uh, can respond to that? Uh, it, it, some of these guys have been through, you know, Bo Pelini to Mike Riley to to now Scott Frost, and uh, how, how quick do you think this can happen? Uh, is it going to take a while? I think the culture embracing, it'll come pretty quick. Like Honky was saying, some of the players, they'll stick around for a while, probably to spring ball, and those that aren't going to fit, they're going to leave. And those are the ones you want to leave. It's better for them to leave, better for us if they leave, and so that'll happen quickly. Those that stay will be the ones that do embrace it and that want it. And to McGuire's point, we'll finally have some kind of identity again. So if you actually have a clear idea of what it is you want to be, people can embrace that too. So I think this can happen quickly. Yeah, just embracing the culture, going in for it, you know, wanting to actually participate in this sort of system. Now, it may not be smooth this first year. There's going to be a lot of bumps as people are going to have to learn this. It's not going to be a, you know, come out of the gate and we expect to go 12-0. and 0. At least I don't think we do. But... I think we'll see no. players take to this pretty quickly. When you've got a you got a you got a leader who wants to do this, you've got he's got a, he'll have a team around him. I think it sounds like he's bringing a lot of his UCF guys that they know what they're doing, and they'll be able to sell this pretty quickly. Real, real quick on that, just do you him think bringing the, his UCF guys here. I've seen a lot of people on message boards getting real whiny about him bringing all his UCF staff and not trying to expand and open the checkbook and all this and that. Uh, fairly idiotic, in my opinion, to to question this yes. guy's coaching staff. Just FYI, they just went undefeated. 
they just took an O and twelve team in yeah. a year and a half or in two years to twelve and O. Shut up about that. You're wrong. He's going to fill out a staff just fine. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about that, Mac. It's a really good point. I mean, honestly, I I mean, normally, like, hey, let's assemble the best staff possible. But when you have that type of successful it's all about chemistry, culture right? and chemistry, it's like more of the guys, at least initially, the better because I don't want exactly. anybody messing with that, that chemistry, right? I mean, they, they are on fire right now. You don't want to mess that up. And you up. can see so, the infusion, too. Uh, anybody you know, who's thinking, oh. He's already got all the support of the former players. They were there. You know, it was just like, it was like this Field of Dreams moment almost. Like, they all kind of come walking out like, yeah. we're here. Yeah. You know, here to support you. It's all over. It was a bad dream, Husker fans. It was all a bad dream. Scott Frost is here. <laughs> Let, let's talk about that a little bit. I, we're bouncing all over the place, but I we're don't just care. so There's excited. Good conversation. Who cares? It's like, how do you fill the... Uh, so we just talked a little bit about the offense of existing players. We'll get to the defense here in a little bit, I guess, because I think that deserves its own segment. But let's talk about... I mean, for a long time, we've talked about how uh, an, a current coaching staff, whether it was uh, Bo or Mike Riley in particular, uh, accepted and, and invited the former players to participate in the program, Right. Uh, Bo was particularly guarded about that. I think Mike Riley was probably more open, but still wasn't the same. We expect a complete uh, turnaround here with Scott Frost because he is a former player. Uh, so what does it mean to have these former Huskers more involved with the program? Well, how is How does that play out? What does that mean? Are they you know, more on campus? Are they going to be more... Uh, you know, visible at practices. Uh, I don't know. Talk through it a little bit. Honky? Yeah, I think this is a good moment to answer that question. It's a good moment to put a little closure on the fact that Riley isn't here anymore. And and when Riley was here, I'll give him credit. I think he embraced a lot of our traditions. I think he embraced a lot of that. But as we talked about the culture and trying to get that established, one of the things to recognize is we are in such a better position today than we were three years ago when he was trying to establish some type of culture. What the, the three years and to give Riley his due for what where we where he exceeded uh, I think expectations is that he helped create a more positive you know culture around the program and the way he left he's left this in such a better situation for Frost to be able to come in on day one and do what he needs to do. Now having said that, part of the culture and that part of bringing in former players, I think Coach Riley tried to do some of that, but at the end of the day, there's this is just such a clean break and and. Coach Frost gets to come in here, and and all the good feelings are there. The good feelings from how the last staff left, the good feelings from the leadership that hired Frost, and, and then what Frost has done, how Frost is, you know, how Davison's gotten involved with it. It's just this is, it's handed to him. I've heard it multiple times. They've talked about how the table is set. The table is set from facilities. It is set from from um, from the support of the of the people. And Coach Frost today, when he when he walks into the weight room and he's talking to all those hundreds of, of uh, former Huskers standing there, he says, I need you. I need your support. That's I need your ideas. Moment. Welcoming that. And he's going to get it. And, and, and he's going to want it. it. It's This is it is one Husker Nation. We've talked about this on previous shows dating back almost to the beginning of, of, of doing the Redcast. It, the fractured fan base needs to be done. And it's to me, it's done. I don't know anybody right now that, that – that isn't on board with what Coach Frost is doing. We'll always 
have the, you know, we'll always have somebody say, hey, we should run the ball one more time or, or you know, maybe go after this coach or whatever. But, but that's, you're going to get that no matter what. But we are behind this guy 150% moving forward. This is, this is a great day. Yeah, he handled that interaction with his former teammates so well. I mean, he already came in there, and the way he addressed him was just very coach-like. You know, in a cool way, he included him immediately. He was prepared for it. He was touched by it. But, like, he just he just has really grown into a, a, a man, you know. You just kind of – because I kind of really remember him as a player, personality-wise. I have I've followed his career, but you don't see a lot of interviews. But to see him now, he has just grown into such a man, and uh, it's just – it's just so great to have him back. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how tickled I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was in, I, read, I mean, there's been about a thousand articles written today on this, right? So we've all written or, or read a lot of these. Uh, one that caught my attention, uh, I think it was a Tom Chattel article on Jason Peter, who uh, has been you know, most vocal about um, some of these issues in the program. And... Uh, him and Frost uh, played golf together five years ago or whatever, and and you know at the end of that, Jason Peter was sold that Scott Frost was the answer that he he was the guy that was going to you know turn this thing around. I, I think that's interesting in the sense that uh, to, to Mac to your point, when you hear Frost talk, uh, it is Osbor- Osbornian. Is that how you say Osbornian? Um, Right, in in the sense uh, he has this certain sense about him, and you're like, well, that's the guy we're going to follow, and it doesn't mean everything's going to be all right immediately. It's going to take a lot of work, but it's uh, the idea of all of us doing this together. The entire fan base needs to do this together. Uh, you know, I mean, this idea. I mean, Frost really emphasized this on the speech. He was like, it's a, a unity of focus and passion. That is what Nebraska is all about, that. right? Yep. All this other stuff. It's not about like how much we run the ball or blah blah blah. It's about this unity of mm-hmm. of focus. You know, I mean, uh, Boomer. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, how do you feel about like at the fan base coming together like this? I mean, you're probably one of the most active guys I know on on Twitter. You're going to have some rogue guys out there, but do you feel like this is a fan base is already fully behind him? Oh, absolutely. I, it's what everybody wanted. It was that. You know, the prodigal son returning home again, in Scott Frost's case. So, the second true. time he's done this. But, uh, and it's, it helped rejuvenate the fan base in a lot of ways. One, it just showed that we could go out and get that coach, that the yeah. hot coach this year. Great the, point. Yeah, that All the national media could. said yeah. it wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we'd, we'd slunked out of the Kings and we're in the Barons or Peasants or whatever we are now. It shows we still have some pull at least. I mean, granted, he was a Husker player, but at least we can still get that, so we have that going for us. And it's an easy hire. And it, just like McGuire said, you have all the ex-players coming back, so you get all that buy-in, so you get all the all the fans of all those players, our glory years coming back. It's an easy sell for a lot of people. And plus, it's going to make this transition so much easier, too. I mean, he's going to institute a system that's going to be vastly different than I think what a lot of people were expecting, or those that have never watched a UCF game will probably be surprised by. But just like his quote, that the Big Ten is going to have to adapt to us. I mean, we're not going to a Navy-style triple option here or anything like this. It's going to be different, and being Scott Frost is going to get give him a lot of leeway to do that where another coach would yeah have his there. record should also give him some leeway. i mean we're too. gonna throw the ball i was gonna say his Go record ahead, should give him some leeway too i mean he's he it, 
Oh, absolutely. Like it or not, him going away for a couple years was really good for really all parties. You know, it was best that he didn't come in when when Eichhorst was here, and it was probably still a good idea for him to go to UCF and really put together a staff and see what it takes to win. And and it, and it hiked his salary up yep. too. Not that he cares about that, and I truly don't think that was a deal for him. I love the seven year part of that contract, though. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, longevity. You know, hockey uh, uh, unity was something he said multiple times, and I think that really resonates with me, and it probably resonates with you. Uh, you mentioned the rise and conquer term that UCF has used to kind of promote, you know, their program. Do you, do you see that Frost will have some sort of term that will will kind of you know you know kind of frame the the next uh, you know steps in instilling that culture? And what does unity mean to you? I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about a you know a QB that was a captain on a national title team that had a unity council, and that was important. And it's it's yeah. the team taking care of the that's team. coming back. What yeah. do you think? Well, and it's it and it's nice to have a unity council, but it's it's more about because I think we had one under Pliny too, but it's really the players police the players, and that's the old Jason Peter thing of you know you don't need a coach to come and get it you know if a guy got in trouble yep. or something you know you want players if you're seeing guys taking plays off if you're seeing what made a, a player like tommy frazier so great wasn't just the athleticism it just it wasn't what he just did between the the the, the lines on the field it was the leadership that he would provide against a bunch of other alphas on the team i mean that team those teams were full of alpha males and yet he was the top dog saying you're you know you're loafing get going get up you know and and he's running the, the practice it's not just osborne having to to be the guy to do that and so that's instilled and then it just gets translated from from generation to generation my gosh you can look at john cook right now and you can look at the volleyball girls they do the same thing they they take what they do and and it's it's handed down when they lose three or four great great players the next one comes in and they just do the same thing that's that's part of a culture and so i think we've we've heard about before i'm going to kind of separate the two things look and feel We've talked about Nebraska way, and, and there are certain people that, you know, if they get if they get stuck on the look, like, oh, the eye formation is the Nebraska way. No, it's not. That's just a formation. But the Nebraska way, the feel of it is there's unity. There's the fan base. There is, there's former players coming in and, and providing support. It's going after those local kids and getting walk-ons and, and not flying over good talent to get the good talent, as Coach – or as A.D. Moose has said. Um, that's Absolutely. the feel. That's the – and. Uh, there's just I sense it with all four of us. This is the most fun podcast we've got to do since we started this whole stinking thing. <laughs> it got so tiring for the last two months to be talking about the last game we just watched when nobody wanted to talk about that game. But this is the feel yeah, is here. Yeah. It feels like everyone is finally on the same page, and it's a and it's not it's not hard. the The work is hard, but the vision's not hard. Do your do your state proud. You know, great effort. We want to see physical football, and you can see physical football out of this style. It doesn't just have to be in an eye formation to be physical. And, and, and care for each other. Man, you hear about those guys back in the day. They'd say they'd love each other. They'd run through walls for each other. That's what I want to see. That's what UCF's players looked like they were going to run through a wall to play for Coach Frost. And, yeah. and I want to say one other good thing, point. too. The way that this has been done, how classy it is, this looks so good for Coach Frost. It looks so good for us to, to future recruits is that he cared so deeply about UCF's players. And when you look at, if be a, put yourself in A&M shoes, you know, you're an A&M fan for a second. You just got Jimbo Fisher, $75 million for 10 years. Good coach, great coach, won a national title. 
there is an ounce of me. If I was an A&M fan, I'd be like, I, we just took a guy who just left his team the day before they played the game. And, and there's, that says yeah, something with, to with me. With no note Like Coach whatsoever. Frost, Coach yeah. Frost, you could tell he was hurting to leave those players. He loves it here, and he's, he's happy to be here. But he hurts to leave those players. And he hurts to leave a, a school like UCF that doesn't have the tradition, doesn't have any of that stuff yet. You know, that's a guy, the character that he brings. I, I just, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm so ecstatic. I, I was going back to our show the night that we fired I-Course, and we laid out a whole bunch of things about what we wanted to see in the next AD and in the future. And everything that we wanted to see has been exceeded a thousand times over and has been done in such a Nebraska, old school Nebraska, classy way. And the Stuart, Stuart Mandels and all those people that think that this stuff was dead, to think that it, all the talk of apathy, are you kidding me, apathy? Get your tickets now for the spring games, folks. Those things are going to be sold out. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to right-size the stadium unless out. we increase it. You know, if this thing – I mean, a lot of work. I know, honky, slow down. but A lot of work. So, so I mean, I, I do want to actually turn our attention to a little bit of what does this mean to the recruits. But before we do so, something that you said, Honk, I think uh, deserves a little bit more conversation. Maybe, Mac, you, you can jump in, or Boomer, actually. You, you mentioned, you know, Jason Peter – uh, in 97 being the alpha male, you know, you know, running the show with other alpha males who on this team right now could, uh, it's, he's not going to be Jason Peter. All right. That's not going to happen, but who could be the best facsimile Jason Peter in year one to help install that, uh, that mentality right away with this team. I don't know that we have somebody that's that particularly fiery. I, d- I do think Ben's, but- it, right. You just can't be Jason but, Peters, but Ben I mean, Staley like, is kind of made of the right stuff. You know his his effort level has been yeah, good already. I like that. I think he's a kind of guy who will really yeah. shine in an environment that encourages that kind of behavior to begin with. And so I think, yeah, he had yeah, a good tweet, a, didn't he, yesterday? Tweet. Already, it was just like a call to arms. It was beautiful, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. So so a guy like him. He's, he's kind of like the guy that Frost was talking about in the press conference, the guy who'll bleed for the program. He's he's already got that kind of uh, sensibility to him. So yeah. he, he could turn maybe more into a leader in this environment. You never know where they're going to come from, but uh, but we we need him. That's for sure. You know, we they got to come from somewhere. Maybe on Muhammad Berry. I I noticed you know as the season went on this year. I like Mo he, Berry, would, yeah. he was one of the few guys taking mm-hmm. interviews at the end of the game, and I thought it was pretty cool that he always took that bullet because the defense was so horrible. But he always came out and met the press. You know, he was one of the few players that did it all the time. So um, that that showed me mm-hmm. some leadership, um, for sure. Mick Stoltenberg for sure. was out there too. Right? The guy Stoltenberg too. is the guy. That would be great. Stoltenberg's the guy I'm thinking of. Awesome. He's, he's the one leading the prayer. He's the one leading the prayer before the games. And yeah. Dave, to your point there about Jason Peter. I think you might see him at practices every once in a while, and that's okay. You know, he doesn't have to be an assistant coach to have yeah. an effect on individual guys. And I can see a Jason Peter type of guy being in the ear of Stoltenberg consistently throughout the year and being around there. And that's there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Osborne still has an office in North North Stadium, and and you know what? He may be in there every once in a while. He he said earlier today on the radio, he goes, I, I'm pretty busy Maybe a little with bit more today than, there. than he was but yesterday. He, but he yeah. said, I'll be there for any time that, that Frost ever, ever needs anything. I'll be there. I'm guaranteeing you there's a lot more than just Coach Osmond that, that, are, that are saying that. So if you want to get back to that feel and that, that you know, that, that Nebraska way, you got to have people that were involved with it to, to be able to show it. 
And uh, Stoltenberg, oh my gosh, that's that to me. That's the guy starting starting it immediately next year with next year's team. So let's uh, dive into a little bit of the recruiting front. What does this uh, change mean to our recruits out there that we uh, have right now as verbal commits? I believe there's eight left after uh, Mario Goodrich uh, decommitted right before the coaching change. And what does it mean to – it looks like, I mean, Scott Frost said we have boots on the ground. We are seeing that immediately. I mean, it has been fast and furious. There's probably – 10 or 12 uh, new offers out there in the last 48 hours. Um, so let's start with the guys already on board right now. How do these guys fit into the uh, the schemes that we'd expect on offense and defense? And do you think we're going to keep everyone on board? Mac? Well, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the offense and really the defense, the good news about this this transfer is the the athletes that Frost uses are kind of the same athletes that Mike Riley used. You know, they, obviously in a little bit different scheme, but sure. But athlete for athlete, they were pretty similar. It's not um, you know, but for the quarterback, you know, more of a dual threat quarterback that is more of a necessity. Uh, the wide receivers, the linemen, you know, and uh, you know, since they're running the three four anyway, they're all kind of essentially body types uh, that are pretty similar. So so that's good news. You know that that'll make bridging that gap a little a little easier. Do you feel like um, it's just kind of standard protocol that even if the scheme wasn't quite right, you're not going to pull somebody's scholarship unless it's a really bad mismatch, or is that kind of you know handled in in some other form? Right, you're not going to see see them like, oh, we don't want to offer this guy any longer, right? And we just I, I, yeah, ahead. I think I think you have a. I feel like he's the kind of guy who has that frank conversation, you know, yeah. with what their offense and what their vision for a player type for him would be. And, you know, because I think about that with, like, current players. Like a, like Ben Miles jumps into my mind right away. Yeah. Because he's a fullback. Yeah. And there's really no fullback in Frost offense. And, and my hope, and you know, is that maybe there's a kind of a lateral move, like an H-back, I do think, or tight end even. Maybe he can move to something like that. Yeah, um, that would that would I would really like to keep a guy like Ben Miles because I feel like he's he's got that mentality that we want anyway. So coaches, um, you know, it'll be interesting stuff, to see yeah. what we do. It'll be interesting to see what we do with even our own roster. You know, beyond our recruits, but like what the current guys that we have, if if some guys move around, it's mm-hmm. a good point. Hockey, uh, you know, your favorite uh, Lincoln recruit, <laughs> uh, Bryerson Williams. Has an offer now, correct? Uh, Scott Frost actually had an in, in-home visit tonight, apparently. We're talking on Sunday. Uh, that's going to make you pretty excited. But, I mean, you know, obviously, I, is it a little bit of a different scheme thing at all here that, that uh, Coach Frost felt that he's worthy of that scholarship or just a different approach to recruiting, right, especially with the in-state kids? Well, I mean, with with Williams, I think we're trying to dominate the three mile radius, and that's probably a good place to start. Um, you know, I like it. I like so, it. And, and kind of Max point a little bit earlier about even the fullback. I'll, I'll say this one thing to I want people to remember this with Osborne because I think this plays the same role with with Frost. Osborne was a master with using scheme and using formations. So he could go against Florida and be in yeah. five wide receivers on one play and the next play be in a full house, double tight, four four backs. 
there is room for a full fullback in this in this offense. There's room for tight ends in it. And I think Frost will be a master of using a lot of formations and doing a lot of things out of out of different formations. So I think uh, I think a lot of different body types, a lot of different players uh, will do fine there. Um, as far as numbers go, because I think that's where you really start with recruiting. Right now we're at eight, I believe it was, after Goodrich yeah. moved on. And let's just, for the sake of it, let's just assume we lose a, another couple, right? So let's say we move down to five or six guys. This class still is going to be a class of probably 15, 16, 17 kind of guys. It's not a... It's not going to be the, the big one. Right. And it and probably shouldn't be, really. You don't want to just it. fill this one up in yeah. a month and a half just to fill it up. And so if you, if you use that as, as a basis, if, we st- if we're really calling this a starting point of five or six guys, then you start to go out and, hey, Bryson Williams, you got something to think about now. You've got guys like Moses Bryant in, in Elkhorn that could fit into this style of offense, a fast guy. And gosh dang it, I forgot, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but the Omaha North running back who was 5'7". What is it? Was it that Dave? Like Sarba. 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 Oh my Milton. gosh! Yeah. I was tweeting Sarba. videos yeah. of him out and Explosive. holy smokes, that guy is so fast. He can fit into this style of scheme. We're gonna we're gonna want to get a quarterback, whether it's the the guy that the the I think the high school kid that they already said got one, or some of the JUCO kids, the the Terry Wilsons and the and the Iowa Western guy. So I mean, you can start to see how easily if we if we're using five or six as a starting point of guys that are deeply committed. It doesn't take much to get up to 10, 11, and we're not even, we're not even getting into the, 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 the next month and a half of recruiting. We're just like immediately getting some local kids. I, I tweeted out a kid, Chris Cassidy, and that's someone that, that Damon Benning talked about, said the best defensive player he's gone against yeah. all season, kid from Lincoln Pius. Absolutely. That, that's a kid that legitimately no one's off the table, and, and I'm, not, I'm not that Husker homer that's just saying, you know, give every Nebraska kid a scholarship. I'm never, I'm never that guy. But as Bill Moose has said, we don't fly over. <laughs> well, kind of, but we don't fly over good talent to get good. Kind of that guy. Well, we don't fly over good talent to yeah. get good talent. Well, and Frostmate specifically known today, we have too many kids playing on other schools right now. You know that that should be in that wearing the red end on their helmet. Um, there's too many kids from this state right now playing at other schools, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that those kids are here. I thought that was a great statement. Quick rapid fire than Mac. Mac and hockey in particular. You're gonna like this. All right, na- name. Let's let's do it up to five guys. Top five guys that should be here that are not right now. Honky, start. Harrison Phillips. Like Nebraska guys that got away. Noah Fant. Oh, sorry. There yeah, you go. Harrison Noah Phillips. Fant. Honky. Harrison oh, Phillips. Yeah, Harrison Phillips. Who else you got? Uh, then McGuire said Noah Fant. Right. How about C.J. Johnson at Wyoming? Yeah, yeah I said Fant. Uh, Who's that North? Well, there's a isn't there a North Dakota? There's several North Dakota kids. Yeah, I'd say Patrick. I'm down in K State. Uh, K State's got the center that's from Seward in his second year there. Um, yeah. I don't know what how Bubak is Arizona State. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. know how Bubak's doing down Bubak. there. Bubak, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, uh, oh, and then, well, geez, uh, he's probably. I guess this is his senior year. Even the Iowa kid, number ninety nine, that ended up being kind of there. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't do an Iowa oh, recap. Oh, yeah, he threw but, the bones on yeah. us, right? I'm glad we didn't do an Iowa recap, uh, but basically their defensive player of the game was 99 from Howells, and their offensive player of the game was, was, yeah, uh, yeah. was Fant. So. Yeah. I well, there's our recap. Yeah. I don't <laughs> hey, remember hey, the hey, Iowa Boomer, game. Boomer, uh, you know, hockey's the local guy, so let, let's just 
I mean, I saw a couple of tweets from from uh, Buki, right? I mean, he's still out there. I mean, do you think Frost is even going to entertain some of these uh, big name guys that that Riley's been after? Or is he just going to be like, I'm done with that and let's not worry about it? Or what do you think? I mean, he had a relationship with Keyshawn Johnson, for example, so I could see uh, KJJ actually coming coming back in January, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, if they fit, obviously, you're going to take a look at him. You're not just going to wash your hands of it just because it was, you know, Riley was recruiting him or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, you know. Even in, even if it's Scott Frost, you can't just let talent go to waste if it's there and it fits what he wants to do. You're going to take a look at that. And I think even, you know, just as importantly, how many current UCF guys is he going to look at or guys they've recruited? Or is he going to take oh, a peek a at point. and try to bring some here? Definitely a couple of guys. Yeah, that, that happens. You come over there, Boomer. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm. This is going to be a honky and, and Max segment for for quite a bit here. But Boomer, I know you you follow Twitter probably closer than, than anybody and and the rumor mill and whatnot. I I, I got a call last night from my 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 good friends Bubba and he was like, I heard that Mike Riley is going to be our recruiting coordinator. Uh, that has been a rumor I'm floating like, around. I've heard that too. And hell, we're paying the guy. You might as well do something for us, you know, make some copies and do something. <laughs> I mean, why point. not? Let's, you know, yeah. It's unlikely, but I, I guess as I, it it, it yeah. would seem unlikely, in, at least in the modern football, to have a former head coach just kind of shadowing around somewhere in the organization. It, it would seem it, odd. The might only make reason a you would do that yeah. is to yeah. bridge that gap for this one yeah. recruiting it, season. I mean, he would literally just a couple be of fired. Guys. Yeah. He he he'd be done after this recruiting season. I mean, he's. Be, mm-hmm. I mean, and to, to imagine that a coach would be the liaison from his recruits to the next staff after being let go—that's kind of a crazy thought. But, but it's been pretty uh, odd to begin with, though. Agreed. Really, right? With Trent he's a Bray, cat. and it's a different different, different scenario. Well, and him going to the basketball game—it's yeah. been. Unusual scenario. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a one percent chance, but just an interesting rumor the, out there. He's more likely to do that for Jonathan Smith or Oregon. Yeah, State. the basketball Monkey. game, the basketball game that Riley went to, that was unique. That was that's different than normal. But like what Trent Bray did as an interim for this week, that actually isn't that unique. That's yeah. that's professionalism between staffs. We we lost track of that because what was unique was what went on three years ago Boom. and what has gone on on some of our other transitions that maybe haven't been as smooth, but. Um, from a professionalism sure. standpoint, obviously the Riley staff did an outstanding job with the transition. I will say one thing when it comes to recruiting. Um, whether it's Keith Williams is our wide receivers coach or not, I, I have no idea. We'll, we'll find out. But I'm, I am a little tired of like, well, we need to bring this guy back because if we don't, then we're not going to get these three players. Then Absolutely. enough. Then, then, then don't come back. If that's the only way we can get that one yeah. or two or three players, then don't come back because what I want is I want players that want to come to Nebraska that want to play for the inn, and if they're playing for one coach, guess what? That coach still could go somewhere next year. And, and it, coaches come and go. That The place is, is where you're committed. Um, and so yeah. if we don't get a couple of players that were committed to, to a specific coach, we'll find other players. It's as simple as that. Yeah, agreed, Hunk. Agreed. Let's uh, move on to the defensive side a little bit. Um, you know – you watch a UCF game uh, like the Memphis game or South Florida, and a bunch of Husker fans were like, oh, my God, we're going to see this again. Uh, it was uh, high-scoring affairs, lots of yards, lots of busted plays, all the type of stuff. 
it's a three four. Uh, Eric Chander, who's an Iowa guy, uh, but someone who's been with Frost since the Northern Iowa days, uh, is likely the defensive coordinator. Um, how how does that translate to the Big Ten? I I, I would like to try to calm some some fears of these Husker fans. I, a three four isn't a horrible defense. If it was, no one would be doing it, right? But most of the NFL does it, um, and oh, it can do a lot of things. Yeah, Wisconsin does it in, in very effectively. Um, so, uh, t- talk about uh, you know may- maybe it's because of I mean uh, Memphis and, and USF are pretty darn good offenses, right, Hunk? I mean maybe that was one of the things that was a factor the last two weeks. With yeah, that I mean, defense. It, you definitely are going to get into some track meets when both teams are playing with that same style. We saw we experienced some of that in the, back in the Big Twelve days. Um, sure. This is uh, these are two things I, I'm going to caution with the defense here. Number one is, and I don't know the answer to this. I've been rewatching some of the the UCF games. I'm sure many of you fans out there have as well. Uh, I haven't been focusing on the defense. I've been focusing on watching offense during those games. I, I'm going to start to make that switch. I want to look at the defense and specifically on the D line. I want to see how they're playing that D line. To me, it's never been about four three or three four, but it is about two gap, two gap. If I never see point. us run two-gap again, because we ran two-gap under the four-man line under Pelini as well, and it looked equally as bad unless you have Indomitian Sue running it. Um, I've mentioned this on the show before. Charlie McBride talked about it. He never tried running two-gap because he didn't think he could get linemen consistently year in and year out to run it. And when you think of the defensive lineman that Charlie McBride had to work with, it's an amazing statement yeah. for him to say that. But it naturally looks slow. It naturally, you're playing two sides of one player, and you're not aggressive. You're not trying to just get into the backfield and, and get penetration. And so I want to see how you, UCF plays that. On the second side of things, the other thing that I'm interested in is UCF gives up some yards, and they give up some points. But there's also there's, there's defensive efficiency ratings, and I'm kind of and they've generally been better on that. And part of it is, is if you're scoring as often as they are, if you're having the game being played at the speed that that game is being played at, you're on defense for more possessions, four, five, sometimes six more possessions a game. So there's more opportunities for teams to score on you. There's more opportunities definitely for them to get yards on you, but there's also more opportunities for you to get interceptions, sacks, and and good things on defense too. And that's a selling point to defenders as well. You're going to get a lot of exposure out there. Now, what they're not going to see and is often without playing in the AAC is they're probably not going to be playing teams like when we go against Iowa. I don't think Iowa's going to return fire with fire with us. You know, they're, we're going to start playing teams. This is yeah. this is Coach Good Frost point. saying it's going to be that different than the Big Ten. we want the Big Ten to adjust to us. It th- you're going to start hearing in a lot of games about time of possession. We're going to play Wisconsin or Iowa, and they're going to try to get under center and into huddles and taking thirty seconds between plays, and and that's making them adjust to us. And and the and the point is, how do we we have to hold up to, against those teams too? Sure. You know? Yeah, I think that so, was. Uh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Boomer. No, I was just going to say it's kind of one of the the unfortunate things about the UCF year the way it turned out. You know, they had the hurricane issues, and they should have played Georgia Tech this year. And I would have been curious yeah. to see how that defense holds up against Georgia Tech. Granted, yep. nobody is really running a triple option like that up here, but they're that run heavy, dominate the time of possession type of game, and I would have liked to have seen how they would hold up on that. I think I could give us some clues. And one other little caveat I just wanted to add about UCF's defense this year, when you think about it, again, with that hurricane, just the schedule they ended up having to play, they played for, what, 11, 12 straight weeks without a bye? 
So at some point, you are going to start getting kind of tired, I think, worn down a little bit. And uh, they played Memphis earlier this year and did a decent job of shutting them down. I think that game was like 40 to 17. 40 to 13. That's a great great point. Boomer. Great point. Yeah. Boomer, look this up really quick. You mentioned Georgia Tech, who actually had a pretty middling year. They did. But they did. uh, UCF played Navy. uh, They did. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the year. And uh, Navy was ranked at the time, I believe. I think and they were. Yeah, it was, was a lower so. scoring game. It was one of their low. I think that was one of their thirties. Thirty-one uh, twenty-one. There you go. Yep. There you go. So there, there you go. That's that's a UCF, UCF offense against a team that's going to hold the ball, going to run, etc. So yeah, with with that fewer possessions, just a different pace of the game, you're going to see different scores. So uh, you know, you. UCF have, could have the exact same success on offense that they did yesterday against Memphis, against an, an Iowa or a, a Navy or whoever, and they may only score 30 or 40 points. It's a just a scenario where it's a different uh, calculus, I guess. It would be really nice if in the bowl game they were able to put up yards and points against Auburn. You know, it would be a real nice confirmation uh, that this kind of offense can be successful with big boy athletes. You know, the SEC level would be comparable, you know, for sure. So um, hopefully hopefully it doesn't look inept, you know, because that would – Absolutely. You know, you could write that off. The UFC – UFC. UCF being, you know, a, <laughs> a smaller division, you know, but I don't know if that holds a lot of water. Yeah, I, I, this show is going to run long, folks, so I just want to make sure you know you probably have another another half hour, hour of conversation left here. But, uh, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I, I, another segment I think we should dive into is uh, the the scheme that Frost runs on offense, the, 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 the simplicity of having uh, the same of a plays but out of lots of different formations. So let's say that for a second before we – Let's wrap up the defense and, and all that type of stuff. Um, is there anybody uh, on this defense uh, right now that you're excited about to see in uh, Scott Frost's uh, scheme? Is there anything that pops out to you that would be uh, something to watch coming forward? Honky? I think Mac mentioned him uh, earlier in Muhammad Barry, and I think just in general it's the same thing I would have said even if we weren't making a – coaching change of any kind is that there's just a lot of youth um in those linebackers uh avery roberts you know some of those guys i mean there's some real talent there um i'm just i'm incredibly excited to see what the davis twins can do i'm excited here's another Ooh, thing I'm those excited guys about. Get hypey. yeah the, hypey, hypey. well this is another thing i'm excited about is that sometimes we've said this before with a number of different players at different positions it doesn't really matter offense or defense but when somebody's eventually at their third or fourth year, you don't expect great levels of improvement between year four and five. They've just, you know, they've developed long enough. But one way you can get around that is that if you make actual coaching changes and you're and you're coaching them differently, you could see something different. So Indomitian Sue spent three of his five years at Nebraska and wasn't a world beater. It, but Bo Pelini got in here, and, and in year five and in year six, you or year four and five, you saw huge, huge advancements out of him. The, the Davis twins are some of those guys. Freedom. And I've been, I've been hyping that guy up from day one, but, and this is going to be his fifth year. But it's just one more opportunity for one more coaching staff, one more way that they train. They'll train differently. It's just by nature. I remember when Bo got here, 
one of the first things he did is he looked at defensive backs and he goes, their hips are, are tight. And so they brought in a different style of training and defensive backs, they got looser hips in the process. I'm curious what this next strength staff is going to do and what they like and what they didn't like about what uh, what the, the former staff was doing training-wise. So just, you know, Frost mentioned that today. Hey. It's always the last staff didn't know what they were doing. The new <laughs> no. staff has all the answers. Yeah, that, it's every year. I mean, some of the talk on that, Mac, maybe, yeah, I mean, this is a great, great little uh, bit here is, is like, yeah, I, I have no idea what Mark Philippe was, was doing. I don't necessarily think that he's a bad strength coach, but, uh, you know, some of the talk, um, it's funny when a coach finally gets fired, like everybody feels a little bit more fr- freedom to, 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 to talk about yeah, you know, the whole program, right? And suddenly it was, it was easy to say, geez, I mean, these guys are not strong enough. They're, they need to be, I and mean, Bill Moose was saying, we need to be stronger. Uh, Riley was saying, right? We need to be stronger on the line all of a sudden. It's like, so I mean, like, what was going on with the current staff that, w- that wasn't producing uh, the strength that needed to be competitive in the Big Ten, and, and can that really change overnight with a new strength coach? You know, I, I, sometimes I feel like maybe he's taken too big of a rap for the team looking bad. I think maybe they were just bad at playing football, and that made them look weak. You know, yeah, I, 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 I really and, and, and a combination maybe of some. Maybe not a very strong work ethic, which, you know, again, like to your point, you know, we start hearing little leaks of it wasn't so rosy over here after all, or this team, I've really liked this team's attitude the whole time through. Riley was always saying that. And then, yeah. you, and now yeah. we hear, oh, well, you know, maybe it was a little more like this. And so, so maybe, you know, Mark Phillip, you know, he, he has taken a little bit of a, a bad rap for it when it really was more of a systemic. Nobody's playing that well. Nobody's trying that hard. You know, we're kind of bad at football. So to to, to answer the question, long, long, long way story, <laughs> I'd say that could be changed pretty quickly because it's a it's a matter yeah. of a, if a culture. It's a matter of again going back to an identity. And if everybody's in yeah. on it, then uh, yeah, it could change quickly. Yeah, good hockey. I mean, is this going to be a shock to the system? I mean, to some of these players. It cert- Lamar Jackson. Let's throw that well, out. Guys. I mean, we've, we've struggled with Lamar Jackson for a whole year. Like, what's wrong with that guy, right? But I mean, he's either going to, to Boomer's point, he's going to either bail or he's going to change 180 80 degrees. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's a perfect example of someone. I want that guy to stick around. I want him here in spring ball. I want him to go through a full spring with this group. Spring. And at the end of it, if it, if it's a bad fit or if he doesn't think he can, you know, it just isn't going to work out for him. By all means, make that change then. But but I'd love to see. A fresh set of eyes on, on a guy sometimes can do great things, and position changes can come out of that. Sometimes position changes are even switching sides of the ball. Maybe Lamar Jackson's the next great wide receiver for us. Who knows? I mean, you, you just have no yeah. idea until you get that ne- that next staff. I mean, I guess Freedom's a good example. That started as a tight end and got switched to D end. So you'll see some of those things too. But also finding the right fit for what these guys do. The, 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 that two gap as an example. I can look at a guy like, like the Davis Twins, and you'll see them taking double teams on against the Iowas and Wisconsin's and getting pushed back five yards on some plays. And, and you can look at that and go, oh, he's not strong, or he's not a – what's wrong with him? Well, he probably – that's not his strength. And you know what? If you, you make a, as simple of a change as we're going to start one gap and you're going you're gonna to blast through that hole, you're going to know exactly where to go, and, and that 
teams block you different that way. You can, I mean, it, you just look completely different just by playing a different style. And then the last point with this is doing good fundamentals make guys sometimes look strong or weak. <laughs> so if you're not tackling well, oh, what's wrong with our strength? Yeah. Well, maybe we're just not tackling well. Maybe we're not physical exactly. in practice. Maybe we're not. Exactly. You know, those things all play a role in it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know enough of the specifics of what contact. this new guy's going to come in. Here, here's the one thing I will say about conditioning, though. That practice, and watch that. I keep saying it. Watch Rise and Conquer series on YouTube, the, the UCF stuff. But they talk about, <laughs> Frost talks about that in stretching. By the end of stretching, and he kind of laughs. He goes, you'll be exhausted. You're, you'll be winded by the end of stretching. So this is get used to running, boys. Get used to, to some physical play there. And uh, we're going to win in practice before we win on the field. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, guys, anything else uh, defensively, recruiting-wise? Uh, any any different changes in the recruiting philosophy and guys we're going after? Or I'm curious. Um, anybody you've seen, seen that we've already uh, offered? Well, let, let's go back to Bryson Williams just for a minute because – Will Williams is an example of the old staff. He didn't fit them for whatever reason and didn't fit. Maybe they weren't, he's not a D end or what they want, or he's not going to be the size of a nose tackle. But now again, a new staff comes in and right away, immediately on day one's offering him. And I've always looked at him as a six, two, 290 pound kid. Who's going to red shirt that red shirt year. He might be a guard. He might be a center. He might be a defensive end. He might be a defensive tackle. I mean, and so, immediately on date you know hours after he's still in florida yesterday frost is calling bryson williams so clearly at the very least they're going to look at players differently than the old staff was and that's as i mean that's as perfect of an example as you can come they the old staff was never going to offer him and the new staff it didn't even take a flight to lincoln to do it so whatever and they offered him at ucf if i remember right so i mean they were looking at him anyways yep that's correct he was and their here. first quarterback they offered yep. was a clear dual threat guy that uh, Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. I've watched a little bit of his film, and he is exactly a dual threat guy. Great speed, nice fashionly strong arm, fairly accurate. You know, that's a pretty clear message as to what this offense is. Sweep left. All right, next on the Go Big Red Cast, we are going to span the globe of college football with Sweep Left, where we take that wide-angle view of everything going on. And Nebraska was a part of the coaching carousel this year. We had a coaching change. We've uh, had some difficult uh, coaching searches in the past. 2003 comes to mind. Bill Moose did a great job this year in landing Scott Frost, and he used a lot of tools in the toolbox to make that happen in a very easy fashion. Uh, we Universally, uh, locally and nationally, have been lauded for this search and landing of Scott Frost. Matt Davidson was an interesting component of that uh, uh, kind of recipe for success for Bill Moose. Mac, what do you think about that or that, that role that uh, Matt played and, and uh, how it's played out? You know, that was, that was speculated on kind of early in the process when they were looking for the, uh, when, you know, they first started talking about Frost. Yeah, Mac, uh, to, to pause you really quick, make sure the, the audience knows this. Uh, because I was watching the Big Ten thing today, and they're like, Matt Davidson had something to do with this? Uh, Matt was Scott Frost's best man at his wedding yeah. just last year, yeah. right? I mean, exactly. this, is, this is a close relationship. These, these are old, old friends, yeah. And they've, and they've maintained a close relationship throughout this, you know, this whole time. So, you know, 
going back to Bill Moose and how he handled this situation, I, I, I don't even, I can't even begin to imagine how he had the foresight or the depth of, of the awareness of our culture to use a guy like Matt Davison to reach out to him and say, hey, I need you to help me get this guy in here. Or, you know, who else may have set that up to him? But the lack of ego to go ahead and use that resource and and the uh, the grace that he had to let Frost kind of finish out his season all spoke sure. volumes to how Nebraska handled the situation. And and my gosh, I mean, when you look at the the chaos that's going on with these other teams and the scrambling in the third and fourth and fifth best choices and the turndowns and these salaries are going crazy and players are getting dumped. It's like Nebraska. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just had a nice soothing it was like we put the old program on hospice and it died peacefully and then we brought in the new guy and it's and he's you know gonna bring it back alive i'm telling you it my hat is off to him i you know we talked early on and i said i wasn't going to be you know impressed with words anymore i didn't want to hear speeches about culture and this and that they delivered today bill moose delivered yeah uh, yeah davidson's it's, it's a really interesting scenario i mean scott frost is one of us right Sure. Matt Davidson's even more one of us in, in some ways, and like he doesn't have the athletic ability that Scott Frost. He's had, not the right? superhuman I mean, person that Scott Frost is. Just he's a, a dude, good enough to make the team and always excelled at, at, at a high level, at a Nebraska level, and, and he contributed to that team in a significant way. But to your point, he he used uh, Davidson very wisely there, and right, those connections are are real and true, and. When one of your best friends is telling you the state, it's not just the team, it's the state needs you to come back and help us figure this out, uh, and we're going to be behind you. And I, I do think this administration, Bill Moose, and et cetera, uh, has the, the right mentality to do it. Yeah. Made a big difference. Yeah, and he directly, yeah. you know, it was interesting too when he directly referenced how he would have trusted Osborne to tell him when it wasn't the right time to come and, and how now it is the right time to come. And that is a big statement. And, you know, them kind of acknowledging that three years ago, this would not have worked. This would have been a bad marriage for a lot of reasons. So, um, just kind of a lot of things come into light and it just, a a real setting right of the ship a bit. Yeah. So, uh, you could argue, I, I I don't want to say this is the truth, but you could argue someone, uh, that um, is like Sean Eichhorst is the former Tennessee AD, John Curry, a, an AD f- uh, for life type guy by the uh, more of a, um, a lawyer type, I suppose. Um, and he tried to uh, do a coaching search uh, all on his own there at Tennessee. And it has been a definition of, of a dumpster fire. Boomer, uh, you're, you're our Twitter guy who has the best uh, uh, gifs out there, I think. Uh, I don't know. Tennessee. Fire away, buddy. I mean, it's a debacle, right? Well, first off, I prefer gifs, Dave. Let's just get that straight if we're going to proceed. Dang it. That is also Seriously? my preferred yeah. pronunciation. I just go. So maybe we'll have a Twitter poll about that later. That, that absolutely. How, would, kill, how should we refer but. to gifs on the redcast? Absolutely. Yes. So that, that'll be a key thing we need to work out. But, yeah, I'd never thought United, I'd see like a, a coaching search quite like this. But uh, this is the sort of situation where Steve Peterson's sitting back and looking, Jesus, Tennessee, what the heck are you guys doing? I mean, they have <laughs> – I've never quite imagined you could go through this many coaches 
potentially, which they've almost hired or thought about hiring or maybe got hired. To I mean, let's run through that really quick, back. Boomer. I mean, right? Shiano uh, oh, was well, offered and signed. They always talked about Gruden and Mullen Frost were early names you heard. Then Shiano yeah. has a contract, maybe, I don't know, might have, maybe just about did, but then they turned their back on that. And then, gosh, who else did they look at? The Duke coach, Brome. I know they talked about. Gundy turned him down. He had Brom. Turned him down. Uh, yeah. Who else? Duran. Duran. NC State. Someone's not there. Apparently, Leach was going to be the coach, and then that's when they then pulled Curry their, got fired. When, yeah, Philip Fulmer pulled his Game of Thrones move and got uh, the AD fired. That so. was. He, a he, he just talked about. And Kevin's been trolling him for now, too, so he's not let's, there. Let's talk about that Winter for a second. We, yeah, we, he got him. We just, <laughs> we just talked about Davidson as being a good insider, right? Someone who who had the uh, the, the pulse of the program and helped land a coach. Philip Fulmer, uh, I mean, and he was a national championship coach, uh, but he was also pushed out, and I, I understand he probably actually helped push Johnny Majors out to get that coaching job back in 1992 or whatever. Feels like he sabotaged this to some degree. I mean, uh, it's pretty crazy. Well, huh? and yeah, part of that. Oh, go ahead. Well, part of that that getting pushed out uh, when when uh, Fulmer did Curry was in administrative in administration at Tennessee yeah. at the time. So the 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 how this correlates to what Peterson and Solich's relationship was, which was to the outsiders. I don't think we realized when Peterson was hired at Nebraska that Solich looked at that as a that that was not a good sign, and I mean, and um, from day right. one, and certainly, certainly us as fans, I don't think we realized that, and I think Osborne didn't realize that. He he recommended on Peterson, and then Peterson turns around and basically did what he ended up doing to Osborne's guy, right? Well, this is what's going on at Tennessee right now. I mean, Curry, Curry basically, Fulmer just got the best revenge he could get. He just pushed Curry out at the end, took away all of his. Authority there as Curry was trying to get it appears to uh, was going to get Leach signed, and you know, and which the, would have been a good hire in my opinion. Yeah. Would have been, and then the the back so, but well, back we door all, we all and, is the, best and way the rest to build is history. Successful culture. So, so is is, well. is Peterson the emperor? Is he the emperor in Star Wars? Is he the guy who was pulling the strings behind <laughs> the curtain? Uh, to he's bring, more like Jar Jar Binks to I bring think. us I, down. Yeah. Was it him? I mean, yeah, he, he's more Jar Jar Binks. Oh, he's just that. Thing I don't that's know, there for a while. <laughs> he kind of started no one pulling to... at the fabric of Husker, you know, culture. Perlman, you know, he was the Perlman, one who just started. Perlman, kinda... Perlman, Perlman. You think it's Perlman more than Peterson? Yeah, Perlman, he he yeah. was there throughout it all. So I that mean, makes Peterson from... Darth Vader then. Yeah, he's not that cool. He's not that cool. Can't go there. All right, Star Wars <laughs> references. Well, Boomer, uh, outside of Tennessee, there's been a. Tons of coaching changes. Anything else out there that's been of uh, particular interest to, to you? Oh, the humor value of uh, Arizona State, if you want to see another uh, horrible debacle. Uh, Herm Edwards, Edwards was officially announced as our coach today. And yeah. if you thought the bringing in the NFL mentality was bad when we had Callahan, uh, go read the press release that they uh, put out today on it. Oh my I, I posted it on Twitter, but it it's totally written by committee, and it's the most NFL committee-speak garble you'll ever hear. They're instituting, and I quote, a new leadership model similar to an NFL approach using a general manager structure with a collaborative approach to managing the program, including sports and administrative divisions, which will operate as distinct but collective units, and it goes on and on and on like every horror memo you've ever read in the what office. The heck? 
Yeah. No, no. So no, no you're telling me that Herm is going to essentially be a head coach, but really not. He's not going to be playing. No one can I mean, quite make heads or tail of this. I've read it several times already. And it's it's very uh, approach. It's very NFL corporate speak. So I look I look forward to their uh, first draft board that they put together. So Todd Graham is still going to coach the bowl game too. Did you see that? Oh geez, this yeah. is one of the most weirdest things I've ever seen. I mean, it, it makes little sense to me. Yeah, there's been a lot of bizarre um, moves this season. Arkansas, they're still struggling to find a coach after firing their. Well, Malzahn, Malzahn turned them down. Got an extension, so. Arkansas is yeah. out there in the wind right now. Again, when you look at the way this coaching search went for everybody, and Nebraska comes out looking like one of the best. I well, mean, actually, well, Boomer. What do you think about A&M with Jimbo? I mean, do you they think, got who uh, they wanted. Gonna... That was successful. Granted, they're spending a crap ton of oil money, but good thing prices were high lately. Yeah, and like Honky so said, okay that was <laughs> that was really ugly. That was that was a bad taste in everybody's mouth on that one. Oh, absolutely. Regardless of how good he is. came out, okay. Here, I'll do a I'll do a question for each guy. Pick pick other than uh, Frost, obviously. Pick uh, one school each that is a winner so far. So, who do you think is is a winner so far in this this carousel? I'll start by saying Iowa State. I, I think UCL. I'll, I'll start just by oh, saying Iowa Matt State. Campbell. They Absolutely. they have the extension with Campbell. They sure. thought they were going to lose him. So, Dave, you were saying. I'll, I would say I mean I think UCLA won with Chip Kelly. I mean I think there's questions with Chip. Uh, his NFL failures, you know, is he still being innovative? Uh, some of his recruiting stuff, et cetera. But for UCLA, who has not been relevant since uh, at least in 20 years, since Terry Donahue and hasn't won his title in years, to get Chip um, compared to who they have been hiring, great get for him, and it's a, it's a good fit. I think, uh, yeah, I Mac? think uh, Florida – really landed a good one with Dan Mullen. I think he's a great coach, mm-hmm. and I think he'll fit that mentality pretty good down there. His offense is proven, um, and it's proven at Florida. So, uh, yeah. and I, Good quarterback coach, too, and that's who exactly you know, what they I, need there. I think I think he's a great coach, and I and I even kind of like the guy. He's got a, a decent temperament, you know, so I look for them to have a pretty good turnaround. Yeah. Boomer? Uh, I'd say Mississippi State actually turned out okay getting Joe Moorhead out of Penn State. Real good one. Uh, he's yeah. showed good offense there and innovative and able to do quite a bit, get some players there, and have a lot of success. And talk about, I, talk I, about I, a good coaching search, huh? Yeah. I mean, he, and that was quiet, quick, mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, they, they, they knew it was coming, I think. And that's one of the yep. interesting things I noticed about this whole coaching switch was how many how much of this is sec driven i mean they're going through coaches left and right down there and how many of them have been you know testing the waters trying to pull assistance and head coaches away from the big 10 just kind of speaks to the quality of coaching we have over the sec there's no not a not nearly as much internal promotion in the sec unless it's forced on you like old miss when you've got sanctions (laughs) coming or i was gonna bring already in force so why not stick the interim with him so he he can get saddled with those yeah yeah uh well mac you mentioned uh Florida with uh, with Mullen. Did you guys notice today in the press conference, did you catch the one comment out of Moose about the coaching changes and how he goes, you know, there's some teams out there that fired their coaches midseason. And he said, all along, I said, I don't need to do that. And here they are. They fired guys midseason. They're still trying to find guys. So, you know, that, that didn't, for this being the first year of these early signing periods and how is that going to change things moving forward, it, it apparently, does, you know, hi, firing guys early doesn't, doesn't give you any head start, apparently. Doesn't do anything to, to make it any better there. I mean, 
A&M waited yeah. till the end to fire yeah. someone and got their guy. And the, the earlier signing period is important, but I think if a kid was on the fence and wanted to see what was going to happen, they would more than likely wait, you know, till the next signing period. There's no incentive really for them to sign early, you know, and and especially if somebody's like, you know, in this situation, like a like a guy who, well, you know, they strategically and I got to tell you, I like it have started targeting Florida State recruits and Tennessee recruits, you know, yeah, and good ones. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. whereas they yeah, look unstable, very, we're just starting to look really good for these guys. So, I mean, these guys have a plan, and, and, I'm, and I'm liking how it's looking. And, and, you know, so they're doing that, and those guys are in Florida and Tennessee and whatever, and they're still doing in-home visits in Nebraska. Pretty impressive. That boots on the ground yep. is well put because that's doing work. Yeah. 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 They're doing a lot of work. That's the truth. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, coaching Carousel will continue. We'll probably be able to talk about this for the next week or two um, as we go. But uh, let's let's switch over to uh, the news of the day, which was the college football playoff. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Uh, teams one through three, not a surprise. Uh, Clemson, the one seed. Oklahoma, number two. And Georgia, number three. Uh, all conference champions in uh, dominating fashion. Uh, spot four was the big debate. It was going to come down between o- or Ohio State and uh, Alabama. And they, they gave it a Crimson Tide. Go figure. Uh, I, I look. I'll be honest with you. I I have heartburn. If Ohio State would have got in, I'm like, man, they lost to Iowa by thirty some points. Heck, that's what we did, right? I mean, it was they played horrible versus that Hawkeye team in Kinnick. Um, but then if you dive into the resumes and you look at Alabama, and you're like, who did they beat? If Ohio State had that schedule, especially on the non-conference, would they not have also uh, got an, an extra win on the board? Um, I don't know, Boomer. Uh, this was a this was a tough one for the committee. I think it How was. Do you think they made that decision. Yeah, it it wasn't an easy decision. Don't get me wrong. I've been mocking it quite a bit and hitting it hard all you know all day on Twitter. Actually, you know, it's a recurring theme of mine. Constantly mocking the committee. Right. <laughs> yes, it has been. But. Uh, it's not an easy decision, granted, but they make it harder on themselves by just the sheer flip-flopping they do for re- rationales week to week whenever yeah, they unveil these things. They have no oh, wow. consistency with how they're making their decisions. It was just last week, I believe they said, uh, oh, teams five through eight, they're separated razor thin. Okay, that's fine. And one of those teams didn't play this week. So how can they actually move up in this? The teams behind them... You know, playing this week gave, gave you those more data points and won games, won conference championships, and all of a sudden that razor thinness. Ah, no, it's 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 this other team all along. We knew it. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. And it seems like year to year we get different answers from this committee about what are they valuing. You know, I, I you know hit it hard. Uh, one of my tweets earlier today was commenting how well, what's the reward now for skip playing nine conference games, scheduling a tough out of conference game? And even playing a conference championship, if it apparently doesn't matter, if you have a good name and a good brand, that apparently is meaningless to you. It's it's actually hurting you. I I know we yeah. you know Ohio State lost to Iowa, and they did, and that was a bad loss. Don't get me wrong; you can argue against Ohio State all you want for that. 
and I agree that's a that's a bad loss for him and, and should hurt. But that that's the type of game that Alabama doesn't play. That's that cross divisional team late in the season, and it would be a ninth yeah. conference game. Alabama doesn't play that. That's when they play their Mercers or their Alabama Techs or whatever the heck they play. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's one of the big, just one of the biggest problems with the playoff, the way we have it structured, is the unevenness of how all the conferences play. Well, it's yeah. not even the playoffs problem. It, that, that's a college football it is, it problem is. in general, right? There's, well, there is, is unbalanced yeah, scheduling. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot place. of sense when you can you can skate playing eight conference games when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are playing nine. You know, it, sure, maybe Alabama would have been playing South Carolina or something this week, but all we ever hear, or excuse me, instead of Mercer, but all we ever hear is about how tough of a grind it is to play that SEC schedule, and maybe they do get skunked one of those times. Or maybe they would actually end up playing Georgia occasionally in the regular season, which they almost never do. They've played them once in the regular season since 2008. They played them in 2015, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's a mystery how they schedule. It's just it just points to that whole weakness of our system, the way they have this set up. Nobody would rationally come up with a postseason this way. If you sat down and tried to design something, if you came down and just came up with this whole format, people would look at you like you're insane, and it kind of is. It's just it's the weirdest part about it. Honky, do you have anything to add? Um, well, you know, I I think it's it's interesting because the. Uh, I hear a lot of people, and I've I've read a lot of people saying that this is kind of a good reason to expand to six or eight or whatever. And I don't look at this; I look at it the opposite. It, to me, it's not an example of a year to expand. This is an example of a year where there's not four quality teams. I mean, really, it's nice that we have a four-team playoff, but I don't know that there's four quality to get in there. I think you can go one through three and probably find three deserving groups, but that or three uh, deserving teams. But number four. It was going to be a question mark no matter who it was. And so Alabama, I guess, other than the fact it's Alabama and I'm not, I'm just, I don't, I'm just not a fan. Short of that, I guess their resume to me is every, pretty much about as strong as what Ohio State has. They, they didn't have some of the quality wins, but they didn't have the, the bad loss. Um, USC, gosh, if they just don't get blown out by Notre Dame, that could have made a difference. Um, just everyone kind of had something against them. But but to your point, though, Boomer, about the razor-thin thing, it is interesting because, you know, Alabama went into this week, didn't play, and then pretty much the things they needed to have happen didn't happen either. I mean, Al- Auburn loses. That hurts Alabama. Fresno loses, and that was one of their at least ranked wins, so that doesn't help Alabama. So for that razor-thin edge, um, boy, they sur- sure had a couple things happen that went wrong and, and still, you know, moved in, so – but whatever, there there wasn't four good teams. <laughs> no, that's true. That definitely is. McGuire, do you have a feeling about the playoffs, how it's structured, what this year brought us? Uh, it's not. I don't have much to add on top of that. I mean, it was debatable between Ohio State and and um, Alabama. I think they both have their chinks in their armor. I think it's a uh, honk's got a good point that it's not clearly defined on that number four spot. Um, it's irritating that it's Alabama. Uh, I will say that, and uh, I would also say that. That being said, they they have a they have a reputation. They've done well in the past years to kind of maybe even earn the right to kind of get that spot slotted to them. Although so is Ohio State, so that's a tough call. It's a tough call. It doesn't really matter. I I think it'll be hilarious when they're both out after the first round. Oh, let's yeah, let's really hope that happens. I think for the sake of uh, football fans everywhere, hilarious. they both need to lose. 
first round. Let's have a Clemson. I almost Oklahoma thought they final. would pair them together. I think most of us could, could they be happy pair them to see together. That. Could they have paired yeah. them together? I'm oh, surprised they, they, they did to not, not to, guarantee an SEC yeah. in the championship oh. game. Well, but this way they got a yeah. shot of getting both in because you'll yeah, kind of notice true. the convenience of uh, Alabama playing their uh, they're they're going to the Sugar Bowl to play their game, so they really getting punished for uh, sneaking and forth by playing a game very close to home, and then the championship game is in Atlanta, so this is really it's like they think we're stupid again. This whole system like, is just an, yeah, well, like apparently we are. Think we they put can up just with this. Spoon feed us this crap, and we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently they can. We're putting it's up with clear. it. Least, you know, I mean, I guess we can complain about it, but yeah. I feel like there should be a South Park episode yeah. about this. Like telling what <laughs> somebody needs to pull back the curtain on this crap. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, are they football fans? Scott I have Frost no to idea the rescue, if, uh, boys. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break through it. There we go. Yeah, It'll be undeniable on the field. So, outstanding. That's, that's how we'll do it. Yeah. So, well. Well, I think we'll probably have a lot more to say about the playoffs here as the weeks go on. We'll have some time to think about it and get our picks put together. I think the early favorites were, what, Alabama yeah. was favored to win in Oklahoma, I believe, were the, the two that Vegas had. But we'll have time to watch those shift and see what we want to do from there. Uh, any other comments on the playoffs? Um, or the postseason ending in the bowls that you right saw? Now, or do we just want to? It's early. Okay. Let's give it some time, I think. Okay. Let it stew a little bit. So we'll see who gets healthy and see who... Uh, what might what might shake out here in December right. yet? Let's give it some time, guys. There we it's go. Very important to be patient. I pick Scott Frost. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else you want to want to do on this? Are you feeling this is a complete I mean, show? There's a lot. Of, there's a lot more to cover, but is there a unity in our vision? Matt? Oh, I think so. Oh, Tennessee oh, would Tennessee. kill for a show like this. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah, they would. Those poor guys. You know, yeah. I, you got to love the, the SEC, bot. though. Oh, I love smoke that yeah, story. I mean, Philip Fulmer just destroying things. Would be, it's like an episode of Dallas, you know? God bless. <laughs> the 30, 30 for 30 yeah, is going to be absolutely Tennessee, epic man. for that. I, I'm oh, already SEC's, already waiting for it. You know, I hope they're filming already. Missed. I just love those guys down there. They're crazy, man. It's It's... It's there's no rules, <laughs> you know. It's yeah. it's okay, man. It, without those guys, college football will be no fun. Yeah, our our sister show, the Orange Cast, the they're truth. losing their mind out there. Oh so yeah, this is, we're in so much better. <laughs> that Rocky Top thing they did with where they painted that and put the dilly dilly uh, on there. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was funny. All right, guys, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up, man. Uh, this has been a great show, a lot of fun, as Hockey said. Kind of uh, quite a relief and a change to some of our our difficult shows during the season. So let's uh, let's do parting shots. Uh, heading out of here, honky. All right, we've said it multiple times, but I'm going to just one more time here. Uh, how this transition was handled so well, total class. I want to give shout outs to the leadership of, of Hank Bounds, Ronnie Green, Bill Moose, and now Scott Frost. Uh, it's a unified front uh, from from the top down. The, the table is set, and I'm so excited. And part of that transition going well, um, I saw tweets from guys like Mark Banker, John Papuchas, Jordan Westerkamp, Tommy Armstrong, former players that were in, in different regimes before us, people that are welcoming him in, welcoming Coach Frost. That's just so great to see. I mean, uniting people from, from the 60s to the, to the you know, last year's team. I mean, that's, that's 
it's a Husker family. It's just good to see. Um, on a separate one, volleyball. Uh, they're on to the Sweet 16 after uh, two sweeps uh, over the weekend. So, go girls. Great job. All right. Thanks, Honk. Uh, let's go, Boomer. Uh, have we seen the uh, Bo Pelini welcoming tweet yet, Honky? I haven't checked lately. But <laughs> I'm sure there's I think a Bo Pelini. There might be a GIF, uh, Mike, out there for it. I don't know. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we'll look for that. And, uh, again, I'd like to just echo just how well this week did go for us and it does look positive let's just hope it translates into winning down the road that'll be the big thing and i'd just like to thank uh moose and frost and everybody involved with husker football for allowing us not to have to talk about nebraska ball for another week or two because this could be a painful month yeah that's the truth mac yeah i'd just like to remind all our redcast fans and just husker fans in general uh we've got a lot of good positive energy going on in the program right now let's try to stay positive on social media you know, let's let's uh, let's keep it classy out there. We've got a great thing going here, and there's no need to be smug on anybody's thing. We don't need to try to overthink what Frost is going to be doing. Um, we'll just sit back and see if we can enjoy this for a while. United front. Absolutely, guys. You know, I'll, I'll throw one out there a little bit too. You know, I, I mean, I think our our generation is Scott Frost generation, and so you know, there's a, a lot of oh, remembering the '90s type stuff, but and and, and winning ultimately is going to make the difference here. Uh, but uh, I, I think having Frost in this offense and the culture that he's going to instill, it can win over a lot of fans really quickly. And we need that in Nebraska. Our our, our younger fan base, uh, the teenagers and 20-somethings, uh, need something to be excited about. And uh, instead of wearing an Oregon uh, a t-shirt. Uh, they need to be wearing a Nebraska one, and I think that's going to happen here real quickly. So I'm excited to see that, and hopefully that translates to uh, a new generation of Nebraska fans that will do podcasts uh, many years into the future. So, all right, guys, uh, let's, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go UCF. GBR. GBR.